Hey, what's happening, all you wonderful human beings out there in the world? How you doing? How's uh, how the past few days been? You hanging in? I'm I'm hanging in and hanging on myself. It's getting tough out there, but hopefully it'll be a little bit easier on the horizon here soon with us being able to go back to sporting events finally. At least that's what it's looking like. Although I can't afford a ticket to see the Rangers play at the Garden because it's already like, you know, $300. And now that it's 10% of the people out in the building, it's like $500. So that's a pipe dream. But one can dream, right? All right. Full disclosure. It is 3.30 in the morning. Hey, I've been up all night editing a monolith of an episode. Why is it a monolith of an episode, you might ask? Well, I'll let me tell you. Today, we have an interview with an awesome guest, and you'll hear all about that in the show, and you will hear the entire interview in the show, obviously. Um, it's pretty much all baseball talk, so yeah, a lot of baseball on today's show, and a lot of hockey, and actually, not a... I mean, there's a fair amount of football, too, so yeah, pretty well-rounded show today, and it is long. Also, uh, just want to, well, Dubs wanted me to mention to you all that on Friday's show, we're going to do an official Stone Sports bracket for March Madness. That's right. We are going to do a basketball bracket. Yours truly knows nothing about basketball, so that'll be fun. We'll see how catastrophically wrong I get all of it (laughs) but anyway like I said it's a long show so I'm gonna stop rambling here and we're just gonna get to it so let's get started episode of Stone Sports. I'm your host, Bert. With you, as always, I have my co-host, Double. Say what up, Dubs. And Meech. What up, Meech? What up? How's the weekend? Pretty good. Yeah, not long enough. Yeah. Pretty good, but again. How about the clocks going forward an hour last night? It fucked me up. I was awake for it. I was drinking, playing video games while Meech was sober and listening to me drink. I took a hit? What are you talking about? I was smacked. What are you fucking uh, talking about? I'm like, I'm, I got, I started feeling like sick as shit last night and it was like three o'clock in the morning and I was like, well, fuck, now I'm not going to bed until like eight or nine. And then I started watching a documentary what? about Meech's neck of the woods. Um, about Sacramento? The, yeah, about the Golden State Killer. And that had me up to like seven and Meet his boy. <laughs> oh, that's pretty Well, JJ D'Angelo. Oh, I'm impressed you know his name. I'm not. He's, he's like fascinated with fucking serial killers. I, I didn't know, know that about you, Dubs. Show. I am too. Yeah. That's weird. I didn't know that about you. Okay, cool. We're better. For, we can be also better friends than I ever thought we could now. The Vesalia Ransacker? Yeah, I know, right? Have you watched that documentary? The one on HBO Max? It's pretty Pat intense, Oswald's man. Oswald's wife died writing a book about him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fun they fact. like mentioned her in it. But yeah, it's... Uh, it was pretty fucking intense, man, I gotta be honest. But anyway, uh, let's soldier on. So we got any random news today, Dubs? 
I've got a Washington man. His name is uh, Dustin Allen Bushnell, 30 years old. He was arrested Tuesday on a charge of possession of stolen property. Would you guys like to usher a guess at what he stole? A dildo. Nope. Mm, stolen hey, property. Sorry. Is it a I, felony or a misdemeanor? On. It's it's. It was for his kid. Oh. So oh. it was not a dildo. <laughs> okay. Uh, Bicycle. Nope. Is a slide. PlayStation Straight 5. from a playground. Uh, <laughs> he just took a fucking... four hundred, <laughs> four hundred 400-pound slide. He cut it off of the playground. It had been missing for a couple of months. They were concerned about... Uh, there was... They were concerned. Of, <laughs> there was reports of stolen catalytic converters, which I feel like is a little yeah, more important than a I stolen saw slide. That. Yeah, I saw that. So they... That investigation led them to him and they were like oh you got a bunch of catalytic converters here that's stolen property and then lo and behold they're like hey isn't that the fucking slide from downtown <laughs> i just love <laughs> i love like a press conference and be like the slide was stolen we are very concerned but yeah he Probably like cut it off fucking saws all to it yeah he cut it off brought it back <laughs> to his house and like attached it to his kid's bunk bed and it there's a picture of it in the article. Oh, dude. I feel like sweet. I would just let that go. I'd be like, that's just like a badass dad. I mean, the catalytic converters, I get it. You got to come down on him for that. Literally, like, let that shit slide, bro. I just like that they're like, we got him for the catalytic converters. And I, I bet it was just like one cop in the room. He's like, is that, is that the slide? Wait a goddamn second. Is that the slide? Yeah, there's a cops. That's the cop that like annoys everyone too, because now he's got to do the extra paperwork. Yeah, they're like, dude, oh, god damn it, yeah, god like, damn it, you, Steve, you son of a bitch. <laughs> no, that doesn't look like it. No, that's it. Fuck. <laughs> ah. No, no, no. I, I carved my name in it when I was young. It's on the bottom side. Uh, god damn that's it, Larry. Slide. Uh, see, it says David Rush on the bottom of the slide. <laughs> <laughs> the R is backwards. There's no way David Rush is a cop, dude. The way the amount of free time he's got, he's way too much time on a sandwich. Yeah, right. Yeah, for sure. All right, well, let's do some baseball news. In his back pocket too. Meach, you got any baseball news, bud? <laughs> yeah, the new round of COVID testing numbers look great. Uh, only two positive tests out of. Uh, fourteen thousand. Hey, let's go! Round of applause for the MLB on COVID yeah, test. That's a point one percent. Um, so looks really good. Um, and hopefully that they they can keep that going when they get back to their home parks. Um, most stadiums are targeting fans in ballparks. Even California has announced that they will allow um fans in a ballpark because we hit under i think red or something like that whatever the hell the the judgment system is for that but most teams targeting some capacity in their baseball parks coming forward this is a great sign um that that shouldn't be affected as there's fans in the stands right now uh during spring training so good numbers for baseball uh other than that just some minor notes trevor cahill signed a one-year deal with the pirates um not like a huge name or anything, but he signed. Uh, Nick Markakis announces his retirement, and my perennial fantasy pickup is now gone. I'm sorry. So, first, yeah, I, so sad, dude. He's a great for a, a pickup 
Like when you, he usually goes undrafted, but he's great. He's not great. He's solid. He's like 300 hitter, has some power, does some RBIs. Like he's just a great all around hitter. But yeah, he has that man in right field at Fenway Park plenty of time. I bet you have, (laughs) buddy. Stint with the Orioles. Yeah. (laughs) He's apparently played the most games, the six months of any right fielder, which seemed crazy to me, but I guess he has been playing for a long, long time. So, you remember Jeff Francoeur? Yeah, Frenchie. What's a name? He's actually a good broadcaster. He is on some of the Fox postseason yeah, broadcasts. I, I remember seeing him on there once, and I'm actually a fan of his as well. So, uh, yeah, no, Jeff Francoeur. Shout out Jeff Francoeur. It was all that way. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then other than that, the only other notes that I had is MLB announced rule changes for both uh, single A and double A ballparks. Um, this is kind of where they do their experimental stuff. Uh, you know, this is where they did the extra innings rule, the DH Just stuff like college. that. Uh, what? Since <laughs> so your experimental phase was in college. Hey, we got a what this episode? Let's go. Feels Jesus. like a minute since we have one of those. Well, I try and just ignore him now is what I try to do. He just blocks me out 90% (laughs) of the time. Yeah, sometimes I just steamroll, just keep going through. Uh, Double A has new rule changes implemented for larger bases to avoid collisions and limits on the shift requiring four players to be on the infield dirt. That should slow the shift movement in the MLB. Um, the other thing is pitchers have to step off the mound before throwing to a base, um, to pick off a runner. Uh, so we'll see if these changes stick. Like I said, these are very much experimental stuff. This is where they do all of that. Um, I, I, it's a love hate thing with the shift because the shift people should be able to beat it. It's not that hard to lay down a bunt or take it the other way. And yet people have a very hard time doing it. Um, and I just feel like you have to incentivize players like Mookie Betts who can take it the other way. Um, you know, and that will make the game better rather than changing the rules. But I don't think anyone's a fan of shifts. So seeing that, that there is a limit placed on them doesn't exactly also piss me off. It's, it's not bad. And then in single A, they announced uh, rule changes that pitcher limited to two step offs for pickoff while a runner is on base. So we mentioned before they have to step off the mound to throw to a base, which I don't like that at all. I feel like that takes yeah, away. I agree. A pitcher's defenses. Um, but they can only do it twice when a runner is on base in single A. They are also experimenting with the ABS, which is automatic ball strike system, an automated strike zone essentially. Um, and then they are implementing that. they are implementing new uh, or additional timers throughout the ballpark in single A. So those are the rule changes proposed in both double A and single A. Um, I actually don't mind the ball strike system. I don't. I don't mind it. Um, not a fan. I don't love the the pickoff rule, and I, like I said, it's a love hate thing with the shift. Like hitters should be able to beat the shift. They can't. It is sucking the life out of the game. Um, but if you're looking to speed up the game, I feel like pickoffs and reducing those slows down the game because there's more offense and you can't get out. So. I, I'm not really sure what a couple of these changes and are. And people even are going to turn that into a strategy thing. It's going to take fucking longer. 
Well, and, and I mean, it might be that the, the, the small balls out of the game as well right now, which is part of the problem with the shift. So they might be trying to entice people to steal more bases. Um, but I feel like you could do that electively anyway. I mean, there are certain clubs that still steal a lot of bases. Um, so, but it, it will make games longer because anytime you add offense into the game, it's going to make games longer. So I'm not really sure what a couple of these rule changes are even aimed at doing. But like I said, it's not in the majors, just in double A and single A. They're not even putting those in triple A right now. So um, we'll see how those work out. You know who doesn't steal bases? The fucking Red Sox. And I miss it. I mean, I talked about it when you guys beat us in the World Series a couple of years back. You guys played small ball. And I was yeah, 2018. So, we did it all year. Yeah, and and that's what won the World Series. And I was so angry that the Dodgers seemingly never got that part of the game. Like you can't just smash homer against great pitching staffs in the playoffs. And yeah. you have to play small ball. This year we played small ball. We won. You know, and it's that simple. Um, and I really thought when Dave Roberts came, he would bring that. He, you know one of the most infamous base steals of all time to win you guys a World Series. Um, oh, yeah. You know, in a game you needed to win, like, you would think he would implement small ball. They hadn't really. Um, but Mookie and Seager up at the top of the lineup make that really a better thing. But I, I miss small ball. The movement of the game is definitely struggling. Everyone loves home runs, but there's no action. It's a home run or a strikeout or a walk every plate appearance. And I, I honestly think there needs to be more movement. There needs to be more balls being thrown around the diamond. Like it needs to, there needs to be some kind of life to the game. So we'll see if these changes help that or not. Uh, but that's about it for baseball. Hey, some solid baseball commentary from my boy Meech. All right, let's move it on to basketball dubs. Hit me in the face. I'm going to go for the nads this time. Low blow. Cheap shot. Karis, Karis Levera. Shout out episode 32. Cheap shots. Karis LeVert returns to the court 46 days after surgery to remove a kidney mass. Uh, So back on the court for the Pacers, or on the court for the Pacers for the first time. So good to see him back and healthy. Uh, Carmelo Anthony passes Hakeem Olajuwon for 11th all-time in scoring, so he is knocking on the top 10. Uh, We said a couple weeks ago that he was going to catch up to Hakeem and pass him, and he did just that. So shout-out to Carmelo, one of the all-time greats. Without a ring. Yeah. Uh, NBA record five players record triple doubles on the same day. I feel like that number is probably going to... I mean, not that number specifically, but triple doubles in general seem to be fewer and far between than they were. No, I feel like they're happening more often. Yes, I said that backwards. Okay, they, I was going to yes. say, uh, you. I thought the first the first time you said it, nope. I thought you said it right, and then you... you okay. Chalk that yeah. up to the ganja. Yeah, no, for sure. They they are definitely more often occurring yeah. now than we have ever seen in the sport of the game. God, I think they're going to continue. <laughs> the sport, the sport of the game. There's the there's the title in the sport of the game. That is fucking awesome, Meech. Way to go, dude. Fucking phenomenal. Classic Meech little mix up. After I fucked my shit up. Uh, so those five players were Giannis, Russell Westbrook. DeMontis, Sabonis, James Harden, and Julius Randle. All five of those players are having really good seasons. Well, and I think uh, we, we talk- talked about it last, a couple episodes ago, that Russell, Russell Westbrook has, like, double the amount of any other 
player in triple double. I think he has like 43 or 44 or something like that. Yeah. And the next closest player on the list is like 20 away from him. So he's got just an ungodly amount of triple doubles. That season he won MVP had like 50 in that season. It was ridiculous. Oh, then he must have more than that. Okay. That was the season I'm guessing. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> something. I don't know. I know he has, he just puts up triple doubles. He's a fucking monster. Like nobody's business. Yeah. He's the one that kind of changed that and made them become more frequent. People just sort of dive in for rebounds like he was doing. Yeah, I mean, he had he kind of had no choice where when he was in OKC. Yeah, he was a okay, one Durant, man wrecking crew. Durant so. left, and he was like, I'm going on the biggest fuck you tour since Tom Brady and the Flake <laughs> Uh Thunder and Pistons traded some bench players, little minor moves before the trade deadline. Uh we talked about it last show. Lamarcus Aldridge still ex- expected to be dealt. No move yet on him. Uh, Lonzo Ball on the block. Harrison Barnes, PJ Tucker. Those are some names to keep an eye on as the week closes out. Uh, Jawan Howard. You see him get thrown out? I did not. He's coaching for Michigan now, and they were playing Maryland in the tur- the conference tournament, and. There was a bad call or something, and he started arguing with the Maryland coach. And he's like screaming at him, screaming at him. He started walking over to the bench, and he got a double technical and thrown out. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Well, did Gotta you love see it. it? Sticking with NCAA, uh, Georgetown won the Big East title, and uh, they might know who uh, who Mister Ewing is now. <laughs> in Madison Square Garden, he was asked several times for his press oh. pass. He he had a conference about it. Um, then the next time they win the Big East, so good on him. I'm I'm happy that Georgetown good is back Pat. and under his direction. Yeah, I mean, there's really no one else that should be at the helm of that school right now. Yeah, uh, see Duke, COVID, they're not going to be in the tournament. Yeah, them and well, Coach Kentucky K doubters are saying it's another. Uh, one of those classic Coach K excuses, but I don't think anyone would lie about COVID at least times right now. Right. Well, I mean, they could say whatever they want. His team was barely good enough to make it there. Yeah, they that. lost their I mean, best player, too. Right. The heat's not as much on him as it is in Kentucky with uh, Coach Cal, I feel like. <laughs> uh, I lit- I was bitching in the car, or at the not in the car, at lunch today. About Kentucky to Selena, and she just had no idea what I was, <laughs> I was gonna about. say. Was she just like <laughs> nodding her head? Yeah, like, oh, yeah. uh huh. Oh, yeah. be over soon if I just keep yeah, saying yes. Basically, I knew that was the case. <laughs> I was like, I gotta stop, but I, I don't even know. Someone had off. to hear you. Literally, it came out of nowhere. I was just like, fucking Kentucky. <laughs> oh, dude, I have the same problem with like my brothers with the Rangers. They're both like massive Rangers fans too, but like sometimes I'll just be ranting and I'll realize it's been like 45 minutes and yeah. <laughs> I'll look at him and be like, Oh shit, I'm sorry. And they'll be like, yeah. And then I'll just kind of stop it right there. But yeah, I mean, I do the same shit. That's like, like we said in the first episode, it's like why I started doing the show is cause it's like, I need to yell at somebody about sports. Yep. <laughs> but yeah, that was really all I had for bad. Oh no, Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid got hurt, got, uh, had a knee injury, got removed from the game. He expected to miss some time, but not a whole lot. Yeah, him Sixers and Davis both out. Uh, Davis suspected to be two weeks until he's reevaluated. So we'll see what happens with both of those, both huge names to their respective teams. Yeah. 
Yeah, and teams at the top of the conferences, too. Any um, other basketball stuff? I just wanted to run through the conferences real quick. Sure. Get a little check-in on how things are looking. The East, we got the Sixers at the top, followed by the Nets, Bucks, Heat, Celtics. Tough look. Hornets, Knicks, and the Hawks. <laughs> They're about to get overtaken by the goddamn Hornets. Uh, playing like dog shit. They're get overtaken by the goddamn Knicks. Yeah, the Celts are struggling right now. The Celts love it. Bad time right now. I, I, I can't believe we haven't made a trade yet. Like <laughs> well, I, every day, Ainge I keeps, expect it. Danny Age keeps pushing it out there that they were on everybody. Yeah. They, well, we were in every on year. Every year, we're in on everybody, but nothing happens. Every like I said, at some year. point, he the man has to pull the trigger. He's widely regarded yeah. as one of the best GMs in the league, and I feel like they've only gone down. Um, they they they're missing a piece, definitely. It's a big man. We need a fucking big man. We need a talk big about man. trading for Harrison Barnes. Like we have Tatum and Brown on the wing. We don't need another goddamn wing. Just offer you know, Chara a contract. Like, <laughs> yeah. You know what? We need another six, seven, three. I think is really what we need here. Yeah, exactly. We need someone <laughs> else who puts up 14 points a game from the wing. Fucking All right. Bullshit. Well, uh, uh, in the West, yeah. we got the Jazz, Suns, Lakers, Clippers, Blazers, Nuggets, Spurs, Mavericks, and the Warriors are knocking on the door for a playoff spot. Clay also said he hopes to return by the start of next season. Yeah. Uh, so there was some words that he would he might be back at the end of this season, but it's the start of next season. Yeah. That's probably smart. Oh, shit. Guys, we have an interview this episode. Do you want to go to the interview? Absolutely. All right. Let's go. Yeah, go ahead. Steve Peralt from um, Section 10 Podcast presented by Barstool Sports. He's also the host of the live BP show on WEEI, employed by Bleacher Report. Uh, He was nice enough to give us an interview talking about some Red Sox, some baseball, Good time, so hopefully you enjoy. Let's get to it. All right, Stone Sports listeners, we are back with a huge guest for you guys. It is a man with who has had the pleasure of interviewing most of my childhood heroes. He is one-third of the biggest baseball podcast in America, the Sex of Ten podcast presented by Barstool Sports. Recently survived a stint in Twitter jail. It's a host of the live <laughs> BP show on WEEI from Bleach Report. Please welcome Steve Peralt. Steve, what the fuck is up? That is a great intro. I, I got to say, that was an all-time intro. And it's so funny. Like, I've only been uh, freed from Twitter jail for, like, I think four days, maybe. I, I've lost track. Maybe it's been a whole week. Yeah. But it feels like a month, dude. Like, I'm telling you, that was – I don't I don't want – I don't wish that upon my worst enemy. It's terrible. <laughs> no more Creed videos? I know. I, and everyone thought I meant the band. I'm like, no, I'm not posting Creed band videos. It was it was the motorcycle scene from the Michael B. Jordan movie, and it's so badass. And the fact that it came up three years later, someone was out to get me. I, I still haven't figured out who it is, but I'm I'm searching. <laughs> who blocked you most recently, and then you'll have a good idea of that. <laughs> I know. I, I got to track him Backtrack. down. Backtrack. Get yeah, the Stone we're, we're, Sports guys on it. I'm, I'm still going to. I'm searching. I'm searching. We'll see. But we'll get into it here with the Sox. Um, what place do you think we're going to finish the season? I'm thinking third, but with a ceiling of second, but that's a long shot. I do think the ceiling is second. Um, I'm hoping this team, just as a fan and now as someone that, even just with Section 10, I was very committed. 
Now I'm going to be doing post game shows on EEI uh, Red Sox review. So it's like they better not suck. Like the right. amount of like that, I'm already thinking about it. I'm going to have to do the show so, the the show solo, and if they lose like eight to one to like the Orioles, that like, who's calling in? I don't know who's calling in when that happens. So like ideally, you get like the a, random angry fan from like. I was gonna say, oh, you'll get people. You'll get people. people. Will, no, people will call in, but I more just mean like they better be competitive. Twenty twenty was such a pain in the ass and such a grind for all of us. Luckily, obviously, it was only sixty games, but ideally, they're competing for a wild card spot. I think they will be. They've shown signs that you can get behind them in spring training. And the biggest thing that we're not you know addressing here yet, Alex Cora is back. And he has this team in that mindset that they can make a run and they can succeed in October if they get there. So that matters more than anything else, considering the season is it's such a joke, man. 162 games is ridiculous. Like, so I don't long, I don't think long. we talk about that enough. It's like you need a guy that can handle all these personalities and, you know, all these players for the course of six months. And like, I, I don't understand how. You know, you thought initially that Ron Renneke could do that. There was absolutely no way. That's like having your grandfather as your coach. So um, I am glad the core is back, and I think they're going to compete for a wild card spot. So we'll see. Yeah, I, I'm hoping. But Toronto made a lot of acquisitions. Tampa was in the World Series last year. I think they're going to yeah. take a step back personally. And Toronto's Yankees... an interesting one. Toronto's a very interesting one because they made acquisitions, but in terms of how they all mesh, we don't really we can't right. base that off of anything. So no, also the Blue Jays making see. big ads. I mean that you know that just never happens. So <laughs> um, we'll see with Springer. Well, I, I'm very curious to see how it works out with George he Springer. He kills us. He always Every time does. He plays, and us. that's Marwin Gonzalez killed us. That, that's yeah. the funny thing. You go down that Astros lineup. And regardless of who is six, seven, eight, nine, they seem to go deep off the Red Sox every single time. Obviously, yep. this was uh, probably aided by trash cans, but it, you just back you don't really know. Days. Yeah, I was gonna say back in the old school <laughs> days, kids when they were using buzzes. No, but it's the Jays are gonna be interesting. I'm very interested to see how that goes. Vladdy is ready to make a huge jump and not just be a homer guy. He wants to be a, a consistent All Star. Um, I mean, it seems like they have the the son of like every great player ever. So BGO is <laughs> another one I'm watching and. And we'll see how things go. But obviously, the pitching's been a consistent issue for them. So, same with that rotation can, yeah, exactly. If that rotation can hold up, I mean, I think the Red Sox rotation is going to be better than the Yankees, but the Yankees have the guy. And I don't expect Kluber to do that much. I mean, that when the Sox didn't get Kluber, I was like, yeah, whatever. I, it's, it's Corey Kluber coming off an injury and he's, he's what, 34? Like, I, I, I wasn't really like, oh no, they really, you know, Heim really messed up there, even though a lot of the fan base did that. So, we'll see. It's going to be, it's going to be an interesting division to follow, but I'm excited for the potential of the Red Sox going for a uh, wild card spot. Yeah, and we we're bringing back Erod. Didn't play all all last season. And he looked good the other day. He looked he great. Looked good. Yeah. Garrett Richards yeah. had the two bad starts and then the good one. If he yeah. can be, you know, like a even record guy, we can be successful there. And if Sale comes back healthy and is Chris Sale around the June July mark, then that's going to be whether we. You know, pick up people at the deadline or not that's that's easily the biggest wild card if chris yeah. sale is chris sale because it's like even i've caught myself saying that i'm like oh well if chris sale comes back as chris like what is that though because right. that that's a guy that what consistently does well but then gets hurt every single time so is that the guy that we can't wait to have back i don't know ideally and he's going to give you the same i i I've never felt better. Let me tell you. Post-surgery, I've had a lot of time off. My arm has never felt best better. Best shape what, of my life. Best shape of my life. That's what literally everybody says. So you're yeah. going to hear that, which is great. 
but until he's actually, you know, consistently competing at a high level, which I'm just having a hard time believing that's going to happen. I really like once he comes back, I, I don't know what he's going to be topping out at. I can't think it's going to be that fast. And so he's going to have to become a guy that's really spotting pitches and, and being deceptive. He does a good job of hiding the ball. So that helps, but the slider um, helps too. yeah, the slider helps. I mean, that makes people look, you know, like Manny Machado look like an idiot. So ideally we get a, a, a healthy sale that's ready to contribute, but they've been, they've been a little weird with, the info on sale in terms of when he's going to come back, what percentage he's at now. Oh, he's throwing, but like, what does that really mean? So I don't know. It, it feels a little weird with sale, but ideally he comes back and, and contributes. Yeah. Cause he's a, he's a game changer for sure. Oh, absolutely. So, if he's healthy. Absolutely. Yeah. So background, I'm actually a Dodger fan and I realized okay. that Dodger I stadium is behind you. Yeah. I was like, wait a <laughs> <Yeah>. second. <laughs> Common ground just, right there. I just love Dodger stadium. I I've been out there a couple of times. Both my brothers live out in LA um insanely jealous they got to see the red sox uh, clinch the world series out there i it's weird in game five i was like rooting for the red sox to lose because i knew i was going to be able to go to game six that series was over the second they took a 3-1 yeah, lead, that was done. over um and so i i it's it's a weird fan thing it happened with the celtics and the lakers in 08 where i wanted them to lose because i might have been able to go to game six didn't end up getting to that but it's like all right i'm definitely going to be able to go to this game six and the red sox were too good they just they yeah. won they won on the road every series and to think that was less than three years ago is what really blows my mind. Like but, that. Well, and I was telling, nuts. I was telling Dubs, I just tuned that out because I, mm. after 2017, I was exhausted. Like I couldn't, I was just like, I can't, I can't deal with this team anymore. We'll yeah. never win again. Uh, and then, but yeah, how do you, so. how do you feel about the, uh, the bubble world series? Like, is that, is that weird? Does it feel different or it's just like, we finally won. He doesn't No, care. I don't I care, care because my, my rationale is any fan base, any fan who says, you know, well, yeah, but it was a bubble championship. Yeah, but if your team won, you would be celebrating, right? 100%. Like, so, oh, absolutely. So, and then after all of – so I'm 31. I was born in 89. They haven't won one since I was born. So yeah. it was my first championship. I'm going to celebrate like hell, especially getting their eight – well, like four four out of the last eight World Series we've been in or summer day, like and just one win. So I'm amped for going into this season too, but – yeah, you can I mean, have your bubble World Series. Yeah, exactly. And it's not as bad as Disney. I think the NBA one was worse because you're yeah. literally playing in front of nobody. Like you guys for the NLCS and World Series were playing in front of fans. And yeah, it well, just it just feels traveled. Yeah, exactly. And it just feels different. And looking back on it, it's it's hilarious at the images where it's like the Dodgers win the World Series in uh, the Rangers Park. Uh, wait, wait, what's what's happened against the Tampa Bay Rays? Yeah. So that that whole thing is going to be very strange to look back on. But I'm happy you guys won. I've always enjoyed watching the Dodgers play, especially the last what ten years. Basically, the Kershaw era um, yeah. has been a blast to follow. So yeah, I mean the Mookie thing is obviously a whole nother discussion, but. Anyway. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, we could we could spend a half when hour I, just on that. Yeah, when I bring up kind of constantly with double, actually. But. Yeah, well, just we'll just let that one slide. But whatever. You enjoy him, treat him nicely. Yeah. Um. So we talked about sale coming back. What are some other guys you, uh, whether it's an acquisition or people coming up that you're excited for the season of high hopes for? Uh, Tanner Houck. Tanner Houck definitely stands out. I know we had him on the live BP show. Really cool dude, by the way. It's funny when you don't hear some of these guys talk. I got to pay more attention this year to the post-game pressers. I think last year I just kind of tuned him out because it's like, well, you know, 
tough loss again. We're just going to go out there and really give it. So I was sick of hearing that, but like he seems like he's, days. I, Oh my God, don't even remember. That was God. That was the absolute worst. Anytime I see the hundred years patch, I just cringe. Cause I remember that, that yeah, season, but the, um, which is unfortunate. Cause it was, it was a nice patch, but that was the first no, season of my life. Uh, I was like, ah, just, can't do it. Yeah. Just can't do it. But um, I like Tanner Houck a lot. I, uh, he hides the ball. Well, he has a very intimidating presence on the mound uh, well, I mean, what what more could he have done last year? Completely dominant, had like a what, whatever it was, like a 07 ERA. I mean, he was yeah, he was, was filthy. Nasty. And I, I understand there's the whole you know rookie bump you get, and you, hitters are going to figure out that that whole thing. I get that, but he's a guy that I think consistently can succeed as long as you don't mess with him. I don't want. And Cora said he's going to stay a starter, which is big because I was worried yeah. they were going to have him go to the bullpen and potentially mess with him, and then he you know a guy that wants to be a starter. Uh, should not be put in the bullpen in that situation, especially when you're a team that had like the worst rotation of all time last year. So I'm glad he's going to be in the the starting rotation. I don't know what that means for Nick Pavetta and where he falls in this whole thing, but I feel like he might move into that back long reliever role. I could see likely, that. yeah, yeah, likely uh, him and and Andres. I, I think it's I I pretty I, sure I pronounce his name wrong every time. I don't know. We just call him Dreesy's pieces and just call it a day. But yeah, that works. For um, me. But yeah, him uh, Tanner How Kiki Kiki Kike Hernandez big on Kike. Kike, Kike is boy. insanely versatile. I I've watched more Kike Hernandez than most players uh, not on the Red Sox in the last five years, and it's weird because like you'll watch a player and you'll feel like he's going to get a hit every time or he's going to make a play every time. And then I look at his career average. And I'm like, what the hell is his average doing that low? Like, I feel like his average should be way higher. Alex Cora wants to get it higher. They want to have him using the monster more. He's going to be the leadoff hitter. Um, a lot of chances, a lot of opportunities for Kike this year. So very excited about that. And yeah, you go down the line. I mean, I, I like the addition of Marwin Gonzalez. I think any fan that thought the Red Sox were going to make a huge splash is just not paying attention to what Heim's doing. He's not, that's not yeah. what the approach has been. You're not going to yeah. get under the luxury tax and then just sign George Springer for the hell of it. That doesn't make any sense. So um, I do Even like Ozuna. what they've been doing. The I know. It, I wanted, I, I selfishly wanted Ozuna because that, that's where I become a hypocrite where I'm like, he wasn't going to do it. But I'm like, hey, if you had Ozuna, I'd be pretty pumped. Not <laughs> um, especially because it seemed like Benny, when you heard the rumors of Benny, I was like, wait a second. Are they going to uh, trade Benny and then scoop Ozuna up off the free agency? That was your market? insider debut, wasn't it? I know. Breaking that was news. wild, dude. That was wild. <laughs> it's my buddy I used to work with at Bleach Report uh, has a really good friend in the Red Sox front office. And he just hit me up out of nowhere. We hadn't texted in maybe a year. And he was just like, hey, Benny's going to the Royals three-team deal. I was like, how how sure are you of this? Looking <laughs> back on it, I kind of regret not saying he was going to the Royals because then I'd then they'd really have to credit me. Like if Jeff Passan had to credit me, he would hate that. So that would have yeah, been be awesome. Um, if Jared had to credit me, he would hate that. So like, that would have been pissed. Exactly. <laughs> that would have been, that would have been a dream come true. Um, but no, we'll see now. Now that I have my, got my feet wet with the whole, you know, scoops game. It's a ton of fun. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. Like, like when you know something in the baseball world that no one else knows, it's awesome. So, <laughs> I used to get on Jared for it when he'd be like, oh, I had a dream, all that nonsense. But now I get it. Now I totally understand when you know and no one else knows, it's the biggest high you can yeah, have. Yeah, I can imagine. Uh, that was yeah. so, me too. So we'll see. We'll see if I get any more scoops this year. But um, hopefully, because that, that was fun. That was a ton of fun. Yeah, we mentioned Cora briefly. One of my questions was, how much does he mean to the locker room coming back? Because the guys that are now like going to be the locker room leaders, the Xanders, the JD sale when he comes back, Rodriguez, the ones that were there for 2018, like how much of an impact is he going to have on the new guys that weren't there? 
Yeah, no, uh, Cora is going to be huge. I mean, it's interesting when we had him on section 10, he kept kind of alluding to the fact that he thinks he's going to get like destroyed by the fans this year. And I just don't see it. I, I don't know. I, I don't, I'm not getting, no, not in but, but opposing uh, fan bases. I, I, yeah. I'm just not, I don't see that happening. Uh, I, I understand that he was a part of the scheme and I get that. If anything, I think Hinch is probably going to get it more considering he was the head of the, uh, the club. Um, Core is such a cool dude, man. He's such a laid back guy. Those players love him. He's obviously bilingual. So that helps with some of the players that don't speak English as well. And, and he just gets it. He's one of the dudes like that's, it's so important when you look back at like guys, uh, managers of the team, while we've been doing the podcast, John Farrell was, he did not make a lot of friends in that clubhouse. And I remember we've had a lot of players come on since then that had Farrell as a manager and they were very willing to say that they did not love John Farrell. So anytime these guys are willing to come out and just say, yeah, I wasn't a huge fan of this guy. Didn't love how he handled me. Um, That's when you know it was probably even worse than what they're saying. So that was a big sign for him. Uh, Cora obviously serves his suspension, but it's just enormous. You, You can't put a price tag on, how important it is to have the guy that's going to keep the club together for 162 games. You just can't. And they respect him. They want to go to war for him. I think how actually said that to us. He was just like, can't wait to go to war for him. I'm like, sick. That's going to be a quote card. Love that. It's always <laughs> easy when you get the obvious quotes. I'm like, yeah, I'm cooking that one up. Pedroia was just dude. Pedroia was off. ridiculous. You need that him was on like, more. He was. Phenomenal. Oh my God. I got Built worried halfway it. through. I'm like, he's going to take my spot on this podcast. And yeah. I like he deserves it like that. He was <laughs> so good. Yeah. And it's, it's rare. Normally you get like, as we're going along, like we've done, Jared and I have done so many of these now. And Coley's been on for three seasons that like, we just get a vibe for what the sec, what the promos are going to be, what the quote cards are going to be. We're halfway through that podcast, and I'm like, this entire thing has been a promo. Like this yeah. whole, he's quote card city, and like, and it was incredible. I, I think yeah, that's that my favorite. Interview. I think that's my favorite interview we've done because it was just like nonstop, and he's so funny. Like you can't teach funny. Dustin Pedroia is very his timing's great, and he's very good at telling a story. Yeah, And that that's something that I love when we have guests. Sometimes you'll have guys on that you want to get really good stories from, but they kind of stink at telling stories. Like, <laughs> yeah, it was wild when we won that World Series. It was a lot of fun. I'm like, wow, sick, dude. Like, we, you want to make thrilling. sure you can actually. Yeah, I know. It was a <laughs> thrilling moment when I got my ring. Um, but no, I Petroya was great. <laughs> and we just want more of those. Ideally, we can get more guests like that this season. But this team, I'm glad. Again, Kike is a huge addition, not just for what he can do on the field, uh, but considering he's a guy that can, you know, keep it loose in the dugout, dressed up as a banana, love to see that. Also um, has a Hawkeye for drones. So you know, yeah, you exactly. That clip was awesome. <laughs> like I don't feel safe. I don't feel safe. He's a character. <laughs> I I uh, I gave Dubs a call and I was like, dude, you guys got Kike. Like he's good. Like I know you're sad about Benny, but Kike is amazing. It's like needed Kike. I, yeah, I think yeah. we need it like the, the team needed that badly. It's Brock um, Holt 2.0. That's what I said. It really is. Yeah. You can't replace start. Brock Holt, but but it's close. <laughs> right. It's close. But you now they, they desperately needed that energy and a clubhouse presence that's going to keep the team light. I asked all those guys. I asked Haim about it. asked Cora about it. asked Joe Kelly about it. They all said the same thing. This team desperately needed a Kike Hernandez, like a guy that's actually going to keep the team loose and that has an ounce of personality. It's pretty pretty fair to say this is one of the more boring Red Sox teams in a while, at least 2020 was. 
yeah. uh, minus Alex Verdugo. So that addition is enormous. Thanks, Mitch. Yeah, I mean, you guys are basically turning into our farm system where we. Unload. I'm fine with it. Hey, I'm fine we, with we it. Your can't. farm system's been great for a decade. I'll yeah, tell I was going to say, you guys are World Series contenders every year. I'm okay with that. It sounds good. But you talked about Pedroia being one of your favorite guests. Well, that was actually going to be my next question. What are some other of your favorite guests that you've had on? You've had tons. Yeah, tons. the list goes. I mean, my favorite one ever, I, Pedroia is, but like my favorite one, if you uh, factor in the scenario and everything that was going on, was JD Martinez. Getting to interview JD in the dugout before game one of the ALDS. Red Sox, Yankees, never going to forget that. Like that, that whole vibe was awesome. I know Jared's made a lot of friends in the Red Sox organization and he got a credential that, that season in 2018. I was able to kind of, you know, I, I got to know Kevin Gregg, who's the PR guy. So I was able to also get kind of a pass to like, you know, go in the dugout. And I was like, this is wild. Right. This is wild. Like, I can't believe we're here, but I'm looking around. I'm kind of pinching myself. Like Chris Sale walks by, just gives us a head nod. I'm like, "What is going on right now?" Like this, I, I, I <laughs> really on right now. <laughs> I know, and and you just have to go with it. You're just like, "Yeah, what's up, Chris?" Sale? Like what? So anyway, that that whole thing, that whole process was wild. But he was great too. He gave us an hour. Remember, Mookie came in in the middle of it because they were going to get dinner that night. Because JD was only supposed to be on for like 15 minutes, and he just kept going because it was a really good interview. <laughs> And Mookie just gave us a look. We were like, oh, you want to be on? He's like, no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not doing that. Like, I don't think he wanted anything to do with the podcast. But yeah, I think it would be JD, uh, Kurt Schilling. We've done a podcast at his house a couple of times. Kurt's Kurt and I've Jared go at it. Uh, as great. you would expect, they both go at it with the the egos that they have. But no, it's 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 just fun, honestly. Any of the players we get to talk to, specifically guys that I grew up watching. You know, Pedro Martinez was incredible. We did one in person with him before his charity event uh, in 2019. That was awesome. Yeah, I, I, you just you just kind of go down the list. I mean, I need Nomar though. Like that's you need Nomar. I was my I wanted to interview up. Nomar since I was like eight. So yeah, ideally, ideally we can get Nomar. The weird thing is, like, he's just in LA, man. He's not like leaving LA. Yeah, I think he's yeah. going to be there the rest of his life. Uh, Colin Dodgers he works games on the or, Dodger. Yeah, he he's the alternate broadcaster and then works on the post game show. Yeah, so I I don't I don't know how you're gonna get Nomar like out of that scenario. Him and Mia Ham I think are still going strong. They're part owners of an MLS team. Like that's the and I don't blame him. What a great place to be. Like, yeah. What an incredible place to call home. So. I don't know if we can get Nomar, it would be great, but I want it to be perfect. Like I've pictured it before and I'm like, it needs like the sun needs to be setting and there need to be <laughs> petals around us. And he needs to slowly Holding walk to hands. us with his flow going <laughs> in, the, in the breeze. Yeah. Uh, so we'll see. <laughs> Ideally, it's like the perfect scenario, like of my dreams. But I don't yeah. know. I don't know if we'll be able to lock it down. I know. I know Jared and Coley got to talk to Poppy briefly. It was only for a couple of minutes in 2018 so david ortiz in the show will be a lot of fun so yeah we'll, we'll see but no we've, we've gotten to do a lot of fun interviews it, it, it's been a ton of fun and then the challenge becomes how do we top that you know what's the right. what's the next guy we have on that has a story that hasn't been told before and how do we get that out there um you know to the masses that's always the challenge you had heim bloom on recently how do you think he's done so far and do you think he's got the team going in the right direction I do. I know a lot of people are negative on Heim. I mean, this is an incomplete product. I, you can't judge him based off of uh, dealing Mookie Betts, which wasn't his decision. I mean, he kind of came into that decision and, and realized, oh, okay, I'm going to have to do this. And now building the team he's built, he has guys that he can, you know, uh, or at least have Cora slot into different positions, be versatile. He wants a team that isn't going to rely too much on one or two guys, which I like. He wants to spread it out a little bit. 
Having said that, a lot is riding on JD Martinez. They're like tons. I I think he has the biggest target on his back by far on this team. And if that doesn't work out, then your team it, it changes the vibe because he wants to be the guy. I think he always wants to kind of walk around that clubhouse and be the guy that's like the hitting savant. And if you want to do that, you can't be hitting 205. So especially with um, Devers, who's blossomed into like a he's Devers is ready to be an MVP. I, yeah. I I think like I, I had tweeted that after having a couple Doc and Stormies, but like I I honestly think he can be an MVP. Uh, Xander Bogarts as well. This is the best left side of the infield of our lifetime for the Red Sox. So yeah, we'll see. I I, I think he's put a team together that can compete, and there's not a lot of long commitments years wise and money wise. So that's good. It's good and bad because, you know, Xander's going to be coming up. Devers is going to be coming up. You got to lock those guys down. I want them to be Rodriguez there. Rodriguez is done after this year too, right? Yeah, Erod's coming up. So, you know, JD is, is he has an option for one more year. So it's interesting. I mean, you look you look at the roster and the guys that are still left of the 2018 team. There's not many of them. No. And, and Vasquez is another one that's coming up. So it's like you go down the roster and all these guys are basically only committed for Max and other like – three years max so and bloom's gonna have a complete clean slate of money i know he's gonna have his own he's he's gonna he's gonna have more money and prospects and like that's the goal and you want to have you know an extended period of time that you can compete for a world series title i understand that but as red sox fans it's weird man it is a little weird right because you have to train (laughs) your mind to understand we're not just going to pay big bank every offseason now to get the guy that you need uh to fill that void and it's not really going to happen last time it happened was jd and it did work out, so it's hard to really get that upset about it. But, you know, since then, it's been dealing guys here, dealing guys there, signing one- to two-year deals with utility players. And I understand why a lot of the fan base is like, this sucks. <laughs> like, I'm not I'm not excited about a bunch of utility guys, but I'm, I can't wait for the season to start, man. I don't want to base how I feel, you know, Haim did with this team off of spring training. Like, once we actually get some games – under our belt, it'll be a lot easier to understand, you know, what kind of team we have here, especially once fans like fans being back for opening day is huge. So that this can feel like more of a real season, because I'm sure a lot of players wouldn't say it. But even though the team stunk last year, the Red Sox, no fans there made a huge difference. So huge. I, I yeah. cannot wait to get back to Fenway Park personally. I'm, I'm hoping to be there for opening day. We'll see. That'd be awesome. Yeah. And it will be interesting to see going forward, because I feel like it's it might even be a longer process than that, because you know, he's, he's building a team that will sustainably be, you know, well into, you know, the, the next decade, you know, that's yeah. the, the long-term goal. Um, and I just don't know how patient the Boston fan base is going to be, but we'll, we will see. Not patient. I mean, <laughs> I'll, I'll, not. I'll answer that they're for just you. Not. Not. <laughs> it's just straight up not. No, uh, we're not. <laughs> so we'll, we'll see. I, I don't even blame fans though. It's like when you're trained, I think about this with just day-to-day stuff where, I'll be on Twitter. And I'm like, when did I even open Twitter? I didn't even know that I opened the app. You just kind of do it out of habit. As Red Sox fans, we assume we're just going to have a loaded team and the highest payroll basically every single season. And when it doesn't happen, even though the Sox, I think, are still a top four payroll, which is kind of nuts when you're like doing crazy. the whole luxury tax yeah. thing. They're still at like 204 or something. It's nuts. But yeah. when you're trained to be that way, I'm not going to get upset at you for then flipping out when things don't go that way. Like when you, when you're not getting all the prized possessions you want, it's okay to be upset. I'm fine with that, but you got to dig a little deeper and understand they didn't bring Haim on just to do the same stuff that uh, Dombrowski was doing. So like, I think, I think it looks stupid if you're just like, Oh, I want him to do the same things. Well, they very clearly got rid of Dave because of that. So he got us a world series and he can't complain about that. But Dombrowski cleared us out. 
but you guys oh, big are time. gonna try. Cleared us the fuck out. Big time. And, and and we talked on the podcast about this, but we're hypocrites too, because the second they signed Evaldi and extended sale, we're like, let's go. Fuck I mean, yeah. we still got like champagne in our eyes. So it's like at that point, you're just celebrating. You assume everything's gonna go well because you're coming off an absolutely magical season right. in 2018. So I it's looking back on it, obviously hindsight is uh 2020 and and those contracts were ridiculous. I mean, no one else was giving Chris Sale that money at that time. No. So you were basically competing against yourself to extend him for four seasons, I believe, after his actual deal was going to be up. So that was tough. Eovaldi didn't have a terrible year last year. He, he came on late. and throwing I, fucking I, smoke the other day. And, and he was throwing gas <laughs> the other day. And so he was in like the low to mid threes. So he wasn't that bad. Uh, Martin Perez was solid. Obviously, Perez Day has become a big thing. I don't love that the team account is using it now. It's like that was a section 10 thing, Perez Day. Like, Stole come on, no. it gets too popular, and then like you know, the Sox are using it like they came up with it. But yeah, I I, I like the look of this team, but I'm cautiously optimistic considering you're gonna have to see it consistently from the rotation. If the rotation yeah. can't go out there and consistently uh put you in a position to win and, and get it to the bullpen with some of the new pieces they have there, then we're screwed. So we'll see. Yeah, I hope Salamora can work out and Darwinson Hernandez out of the bullpen. I really like Salamora specifically. There's a lot riding on him. It's always funny to me with some of the reporters when they try to act like they know at all how it's going to work for Salamora on this team. The guy's right. getting used to a new baseball. It's yeah. a completely different ball than he's used to throwing. And obviously, they've deadened the baseballs more this year. Put that in quotes. But it's like it's just it blows my mind sometimes when people just like throw predictions out there for pictures they've never seen in their life. Like I can. Comfortably say, I have no idea what Salamora is going to do on this team. No clue. No. So it's okay to know or to not know, rather, how a player is going to do. And when a player comes over from there, it's like hit or miss. It's yeah. one or the There's other. There's not like a I, lot of in between. I'm 21. So, like, the first time I remember that was Dice K. And yeah. like, he was amazing right out of the gate. Deceivingly and amazing. Deceivingly. Yeah. He had like the the 18 win season with like a four and a half ERA. Yeah. 18 and three, but he wouldn't get out of the fifth inning or out yeah. of, he wouldn't get to the sixth. And the amount of times he'd load the bases and do a lot of like the rub the ball thing. I'm like, I am going to blow oh, they had those, brains out. He could do like a 10 minute compilation of all the times. Oh. He was just rubbing the, <laughs> just rubbing the thing on the back of the mound looking up. He's obsessed with the rosin bag. My goodness, yep. dude, it's not going to help you throw it. strikes. I'm sorry. It just isn't like he would nibble so much because he like I hate pitchers that nibble. It's a big difference between nibbling and hitting and dotting the strike zone like yeah. Dice K. Would, he'd always throw it a little bit outside and then he'd kind of peek in. It's like, that's a ball. I'd be yelling at the screen more than anybody. I would love to go back and be like, the yell at the screen rate. Who is it highest for in my lifetime on the Red Sox? Dice K. It might be Dice K. Dice K, Julio Lugo. Julio Lugo is me. That's terrible. Mine. Julio Lugo drove me up a goddamn wall. Dude, Edgar Renteria was awful yep. on the Red Sox. Um, he was the first player I disliked on the Red Sox was Edgar yeah. Renteria. I was like, what, why did we get this guy? I know. Seriously. He's the kind of guy that when the second he was outside of a Cardinals uniform looked super weird. I was like, what's yeah. that? this doesn't really oh, wait fit. A when second. Yeah. They, certain <laughs> players are only meant to have, like, have one uniform on. And I was like, this is strange. He has a Red Sox union on. He had like 30 errors that year. Pablo is the obvious one. But my thing with Pablo, and I've said this before, and, and people have disagreed slash agreed with it when the belt thing happened when his belt exploded my theory is that and this is because i'm i'm like super fat now i'm t- I'm quarantine fat now yeah so where it's just you just notice like wow scale's getting up there but 
I when you sit to down step on it, that's the way uh, to avoid it. <laughs> that's <laughs> well, I like that. You can't hide that when your shirt fits a little tighter. Wait a, wait a I'm telling you, second. you wear the stone sports hoodie. <laughs> that's all you need. I'm telling you, the section 10 and the building shirts are getting tight on me. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So that's when I Go know. But yeah, exactly. But when you're sitting down, sometimes maybe your pants a little tight, belt a little tight. You got to unbuckle the belt a little bit. It's a veteran move. Everybody knows right. it. And he was a fatty at that point. And I think he unbuckled the belt on the bench. And then he pinch hit and forgot to buckle his belt because in his mind, he probably thought the game was like over, or at least for him, that he wasn't going to get in the game. He gets in the game in the seventh inning. And the second, the worst part about that play or that moment is that the second it happened, I was like, oh, God, because you just knew. You You're just like, knew everywhere. You knew it's that gone, was going to be everywhere in two up. seconds. It's Done. in the universe. It's in the yeah. Twitter sphere. And sure enough, you know, the gifts start coming out and I'm like, it looks bad, man. It really and slow-mo <laughs> like that made it way worse where it's just popping out like, oh, fat. <laughs> I don't remember what season it was, but I remember on the actual Red Sox <laughs> website, they had Pablo listed at like 260. And you're like, yeah. no fucking way. That guy's <laughs> less than 400 pounds playing third base out there. If he said he's 300, you'd be doing him a favor. Like, yeah, come on now. For sure. <laughs> like, I, do I don't think so. I've seen 300. <laughs> he looks like more than that. <laughs> I'm just like, it, you'd be saving him some pounds if you put him at three bills. But um, yeah, man, that was a tough. And it's just so weird that he's still around. Like, you see him in the Brave Spring training game the other day. I'm like, that's right. People are still paying you to play baseball. What is going on? Yeah. You're like, have you done anything since, like, it's, 2010? He's had a couple <laughs> of moments after that contract with the Red Sox, but a couple meaning maybe two. Um, and, right. yeah, it's been nothing but trash since then. I know San Francisco bought him back, and I was like, wait, is that – is he back? Yeah. Is he, is, is did Pablo they bring him back? <laughs> trying to run the Pablo stuff or the uh, Panda stuff back. It's like, please. Yeah, <laughs> stop doing that. So much. But yeah, they had yeah. some left over. I don't blame them. Back to the podcast real quick. Was there a guest that really like took you guys to the next level or like a moment where you guys were like, oh, this is like huge for us? Yeah, there were two. Two moments stick out to me. The first one was in 2016 when we did the podcast at Schilling's house. Um, cause that was very like, whoa, that's like, like that. that's gotta be surreal. Like, yeah, that was kind of, I'm, I'm so we're in his house. Jared had to go to the bathroom. He had an issue flushing the toilet. Sounds about right. And so I'm in the basement with Schilling <laughs> and he has the coolest basement, dude. Like the classic, like player, like I played man in the big basement where man cave where he just has, he's got Randy, Randy Johnson game used signed Jersey, Barry Bonds signed Jersey. You go down the list and it's just like this Hall of Fame of game use signed frame jerseys, uh, a home theater. Yeah, one of the cooler things that my buddy Pete Blackburn did, I think, briefly, where he had like part of his downstairs set up like a diner. And it's super cool. It had like the old school Coke like glasses and whatnot. Oh, and I'm like, cool. this is the ultimate man cave. Like, I love this. And so we're just shooting the shit down there. And I'm thinking to myself, like, this is kind of nuts. Like I'm just chilling in Kurt Schilling's basement talking about like, Oh, four, like what, what is going on right now? So that kind of blew my mind. It's unfortunate. That was like pre us filming it. Um, that was only audio. So shout out to Bryn. She came with us the second time we went to Schilling's and we have that all on video. So that was cool. But the second one was, uh, oddly enough, it was, um, 2017, the playoffs, Red Sox, Astros, ALDS, 
where, by the way, the Sox don't get enough credit for making that a close series, even though the trash can stuff was very much going on, but that gets yep. lost in the sauce. Does get lost um, in the sauce. Nobody I'm remembers telling you, that. Unfortunate, unfortunate. But we had just released, released merch uh, September of 2017, and we had talked about releasing shirts for a long time, really got pretty lazy with it, and it should have been out. The shirts probably should have been out in 2016. We finally release them, and... I had no idea how it was going to do. I had no idea if they're going to sell out, you know, this, that, the other. They sold out <laughs> pretty quickly. And it hit me when on the big screen, someone, someone on Twitter tweeted us a picture they took of the big screen at Fenway with someone that had a Section 10 shirt on that got on the big screen. I was like, that's dope. I, like, I don't know why <laughs> it took me seeing that photo to be like, wow, wow. all right. Like we get section sense in the building. Like that was the first thing I just like said to myself, but you're like, that hey, that's, our really... that's our shirt. That's our shirt. It just hits different when you see your merch on another yeah. human. I'm like, you yeah. bought that. You spent currency on that. So obviously it's tough because merch sales went down last year, considering the team was terrible and everyone's in their house. You're not like when I'm buying a shirt to sit on the couch. Like that doesn't really make right. much sense. So hopefully we got some new items that just dropped. So that's cool. And ideally they'll, uh, you know, fly off the shelves, but that, those are the two moments. I think Kurt Schilling, at his house in 2016, and then the uh, the Jumbotron shirt, which was, yeah, four years ago now, which is pretty nuts. Well, before uh, we get out of here, I want to ask, what was your favorite moment from 2018, the playoff run? We rubbed oh. it in Meech's face one more time. Now that I got I, the numbers. I don't no, even my, have that year. I don't, I don't remember what happened it's that year. Like, it's I don't... zero memory at all. Uh, <laughs> no, my, my favorite personal moment from that run, like outside of doing the live shows, that was a ton of fun. That really showed me where we were at as a podcast. The place got absolutely booked at Cask and Flagon and everyone was going nuts. My Love brother. Cask and Flagon. Oh, it's awesome. So I went there for my 21st. A really good spot. Really. I like Bleacher Bar too. But um, so Dave Portnoy comes to Boston because it was the World Series. And Barstool Radio kind of took over. I wanted us to do live shows. Obviously, we don't have a higher say than Dave Portnoy. So he comes to town uh, with the Barstool Radio gang. They do like their pregame show from uh, Lansdowne Pub. My brother found that out. He lives in L.A. And that I wasn't going to be a part of that show because it's a bar. I got it. I, I I took no offense. It wasn't a Section 10 thing. It was a Barstool Radio thing. And so he thought that was kind of BS that I wasn't going to be a part of that when I had just done it for the ALDS, ALCS. Little, I mean, I still think it's like, it's like, Dan, it's different. Like Section 10 live shows are not Barstool Radio. Those are different things. So we like, break it down for you. Yeah. So he, he thought that was kind of nonsense. And so he was like, you know what? We're going to game one. So he bought us tickets to game one of the World Series. He flew in from L.A. to bring me to the game. And then flew back like that night. Like this dude did like a red Oof. eye both ways That's to rough. bring me to game one of the World Series. But it the was things incredible. You do I mean, when you're angry, man. I'm telling you, man. <laughs> no, it was just a great brother move. I'll never forget it. And uh, we had, you know, time of our lives. The crowd that, oh my God, that atmosphere was incredible. Uh, the Nunez three run homer. No one saw that coming. And um, baseball tavern after it was an all time baseball tavern night. Mike Napoli was there. Steve Lyons, as always, was there. It was quite a quite an evening overall. And, um, I'll never forget that. Yeah, so that was my favorite moment, 2018. Mine's got to be the whole game, the, just the whole game where we just smacked the Yankees, just silenced oh the whole Incredible, stadium. man, 16 to 1. Like, and they wanted us. They wanted, they wanted Boston. <laughs> By the way, like, everyone looks back at it, it's like, oh, you don't want us, you don't want... I, I kind of like that they were saying we want Boston because for the yeah. first time in ages, it was like, wait, Red Sox Yankees is like a thing. Like I, it had been I so missed long because I grew up on like the Ortiz Ramirez, yeah. the four, five, the three, four hitters and Same. Yankees were so competitive and it just the like rivalry wasn't one it, day. 
it wasn't like, really a thing. Yeah, yeah. It, well, one team was good and the other team sucked like every right. other year. And 2018 was just the sweet spot where it was like, all right, the Yankees, the Yankees were really good, by the way. Like that, they had a hundred win season and they, yeah. they, you know, were in second place by eight <laughs> games. That's insane. But yeah, the we want Boston stuff. I love that because that was just like, oh, okay, like this is going to be a series and we're actually yeah. going to have like legitimate bad blood. So that was once cool. again, we, let's not talk about the hundred hundred win season, 2018, <laughs> 107, 108, 108. 100, I thought it was one hundred seven. I just blocked yeah. it up. Just the whole thing. I, just, I like, remember that long ass game. The, how many <laughs> innings was it? 17. The, um, well, oh, oh, game uh, three, game three. Right? Yeah, 17. I remember falling Rock asleep Peterson. after I got so mad at the Kinsler shit, the error. We should have won the game. Yeah, I remember right when I was about to fall asleep, I heard the bat crack from the Muncie yep. home run. I was Muncie, like, yep. that's yep. the game. And I looked yeah. up and it was over. I was like, Fuck. it didn't. It, am I am I missing? I thought Jock had like one that almost I thought Peterson had one that almost went out. Um, I and think then he Muncie, did. And but Muncie right off the bat, you just knew it was, yeah. it was like, oh, OK, game's over. But yep. in a weird way, it didn't even I had so many care. weird. Dude, I'm telling you, I, I had so many weird feelings during that playoffs. The only time I was really nervous because I got to see game one of the ALDS. Uh, I got to, I snuck in for them clinching uh, in Yankee Stadium, which was awesome. And then game one of the World Series. And I just didn't, the only time I really felt nervous was game one of the ALDS when Kimbrell gave up a bomb to Judge in the ninth to make it a one run game. Kimbrell, my God, he was awful. Scared um, me every time. About as bad there. as you could have been in a playoff run for having no losses. He ended yeah. up with zero losses that run, but still was like terrible. But yeah, it was it was a hell of a run, and I can't. It just feels ancient now. It it, it feels it, well, if this was a normal team, if this was the Dodgers, they would just still have like all the same players. Like they would still have all right. the stars. They wouldn't have dealt anybody, and they would have just added. And you know, we only have what eight or nine guys left from that team, so pretty wild. Yep, and Mookie just gone. Yeah, well, we won't talk about it. the worst. No, let's I, talk about that. Instead. No, no, I think <laughs> we're up against it. We're up against it. <laughs> All right. Well, we appreciate it. Thanks for doing this. We had a good time. Hopefully, we can do it again soon. Maybe do like a mid-season check-in with the Sox. Yeah, absolutely. Check out Section Ten Live BP Show. Everything from Bleacher Report. Thank you again. Enjoy. Absolutely. Take care, guys. All right, and we are back. Let's talk some hockey. And there is actually some news. There's also some side stuff I want to talk to you about personally, Dubs with Hockey. But um, I guess first thing we should talk about, because it is probably, I don't know, funnest is the right word, but it was fun to watch. The uh, fight between, um, uh, who was it on on Tampa? What's his name? Is it? It's like something with a B, Bromwell? Weird. No, no, something Chuck. Yeah, it's something weird. But yeah, he dropped Dude Man. Adam Erd, that was the guy. In yeah, the red, so I don't know who the guy in the white. I think was, it's like yeah. Bromwell or something weird like that. But yeah, he straight dropped Dude got him. His shit rocked. Yes, he did, and it was nice enough of the guy on Tampa to hold his jersey so he didn't hit his head on the ice. I was like, all right, yeah. we got a solid goon here. Ko punched him and held his head on the way down. That's a true goon. Yeah, it is true goon. Way to go! Yeah. All right, so. Now we're going to talk about, you know, the return of Artemi Panarin and how it obviously increased the Rangers' um, ability to play offense. But there's one thing I want to talk to you about watching these games first, Dubs. So 
two games. They're very interesting, actually, because the first one, you beat us 4 to nothing, then we beat you 4 to nothing. I think that's really, really... And it's like an exact mirror. Like, the first game, we were, like, not competitive at all. Although, I can tell you what the real problem is. We'll get to that in a second. And then the second game, it was like the Bruins weren't competitive at all. Although, actually, the truth is, like we've discussed before, the answer to beating the Bruins is simple, but it's not easy. You just have to shut down the top line. Now, that's not easy because the top line is who it is, but that's really all you have to do at this point. But what I really want to talk to you about is who are the dudes, because the first game I watched on the Boston broadcast, the second game I watched the MSG broadcast, who are the dudes that do the commentating for the Boston like home broadcast? Jack Edwards, high above the ice. <laughs> Because one of them, I was like, dude. dude I did Jack Edwards. I already, it's Jack Edwards. Like, That's the one you're talking about. <laughs> it was just like, dude, like, you are just, like, I don't know what is going through your head when you're saying half the shit you're saying, but, like, just yep. stop. Like, every game, bro. We <laughs> love him, but the dude is whacked out. Yeah, like, He's whacked out. He. He, anytime Krejci does anything like positive, he's just like, look at those hands. They're so soft. soft yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and also the way he was saying Zabanajad was annoying the shit out of me. He was like, Zabanajad. And I was like, no, I'm pretty sure it's not how you say it, bro. But yeah, um, if you go through Bruins Twitter like anytime, you're going to see shit about Jack Edwards. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he's a hilarious human being. And he's his like voice, like, I'm going to have to watch a broadcast with him again because when I was watching it, I was like, he sounds like this dude and Double will find that hilarious, but I've since forgotten who it was. So I'll watch another one and then I'll I'll bring it up on a later episode. But, uh, yeah. Edwards is also super fucking biased and it's great. Yeah, I mean, I don't mind if, like, the home broadcast <laughs> is biased. Like, I feel like they kind of should be. But, yeah, I mean, you watched the first game, right, of the two? Yes, I watched the first one. I didn't see the second one. Did you, you see what I'm talking about with Georgiev? Yeah, dude, he's a deer in headlights. It's fucking awful, dude. Like, like three of those four goals were easy stops for pretty much like any other goalie in the league. Like, yeah, I don't it's, know. It's just ridiculous. And it's like, this is what I'm talking about with their coach. Like, Do we've you get seen him like 15 feet away from the net. Yeah, the wrist shot, and he just like looks like he's scared. Yeah, and we talked about this last episode. Like the coach saw him perform this way like less than a week ago, and then you're gonna put him up against the Bruins. Like, come on, dude. Like that's just bad coaching. But you yeah. only have to worry about one line. Yeah, it's true, but still, like the guy, like if you watch him play, Meech, like the guy just lets in like the softest goals like in the world, and then Keith Kincaid comes in. And shuts them out. So it's just, I mean, we did hold you to, like, fewer shots than I think your team normally puts up. So that was probably part of it. But, you know, it's still just, like, you got to go with that goalie. Like, if I can see that and I'm not the fucking coach, how can you not see that? Like, that's unacceptable. I guess there could be some sort of, like, contract thing. Like, if they play them enough games, maybe they take less of a cap hit or something. I don't know. I haven't looked into it. But, yeah. Is it just me, Dubs, or is – and I asked Dubs this question because Meech is in the West. Is the goaltending better in the East than it is in the West? I feel that way. Right? Like, I really feel that way too. Like, typically when I see games in the East, it's like 3-2, 4-3. And in the West, it's like 
Yeah, and I'm wondering if that's like the goaltending's better or if it's maybe the defensive play is better. The offense may be better defensively than it is in the West. I'm not really sure yet. I'm trying to figure that out in my head. I just thought I'd bring it up. We could talk shop on the show. Um, Talking hockey shop. Speaking of the West, did you see that fucking greasy goal that Vancouver had the other night? I did not. Against, I think it was against Edmonton. Like, dude, everybody is dogpiled on the net. And I saw people complaining that the puck wasn't blown dead, but it was loose the whole time. I mean, it's literally like seven seconds of like people, like seven players dogpiled in the net, and then the puck goes in. It's probably the greasiest goal I've ever fucking seen in my life. It's crazy. Old fashioned dogpile goal. Yeah, it really is. Like, it is like textbook dogpile goal. You should check it out. And I guess that can bring us to Carlson um, and his comments he made this week about the Sharks and how they should not rebuild. And I'm curious to know what Meech's thoughts are about that. Do you think the Sharks should rebuild or do you think he's right? Yeah, where he said he just doesn't want to be a part of a rebuild and that they have a good group of guys. Yeah, and I mean, he makes a point like – you know, they do have a, a decent roster. Like, I'm not so sure it's a rebuild issue. What do you think, Meech? I don't know. They're, they're going back to your guys' point of goaltending. I feel like in the West, it's very not consistent. Sometimes right. you'll get one to two games, and then other times you'll get like five to six games. So it's just like it's very hard to figure it out. Um, the Sharks are interesting. I think they should. They're holding on to a couple older players that just don't seem right. to be getting the job done. Um, and they were competitive for like 20 years, I feel like. Yeah, they really were. Yeah, they so, were. So, I mean, I, I, I think it's time. Um, but, you know, I, I don't know. It's, it's Veteran yeah. players never want to be part of a rebuild. So, I mean, that's not, yeah. that's not at all showing. Like the Sharks have been a four to like seven seed my entire life. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> they might need to get some stuff together and address some some needs. Yeah, I sure. mean, my thing is, like, you look at it and they have some good players. They have some streaky players, too. But to me, the last couple of years, it always seemed like the biggest issue was the goaltending. Like, you know, I know they've got Dubnik playing right now, right? And he's doing okay. But Martin Jones was, like, atrocious in between the pipes. So bad. Like Miami had was really good for a while. Um like Miami had like a career resurgence there and then Jones yeah. took over. Yeah. Jones was really good for the first couple years after they got him. Um because he was our backup for a while and then we traded him to somewhere and then they traded him there. And he was really good for like the first couple of years. And so I'm not really sure what happened. Yeah. I, I mean goalies are strange beings. And they're like kickers. Yeah, it seems like the weirdest little things can throw them off, and then they're just donezo. Like Georgiev, for a couple, the first couple years we had him as our backup, was fucking solid, like really good. And now he's just trash, and has been for a little bit. So I don't, I don't know. Goalies are just weird. It just to me, it's interesting because I don't watch them that much anymore. I used to watch him a lot back when Todd McClellan was the coach, but uh, it. I wasn't so sure that a rebuild was completely necessary, but it could be. You know, like I said, I don't watch. I mean, they've also said goodbye to a lot of veterans on their team. Yeah, um, the guy who's been playing for fucking ever. The fuck is his name? Patrick Marlowe. 
Well, no, he's still there. Uh, he wasn't brewing for oh, a while. Well. Uh, Joe, Joe Thornton. Joe Thornton. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, Joe. Oh, Thornton. you're saying the guy that? Okay, yeah, I got you. They've yes. let go of a couple of older players, so like they they seem to be trending younger, and then they let um their leading goal scorer walk to Dallas too. So like they they've definitely lost a couple pieces, and then they brought back right. Marlowe. But they signed Kane. They got Carlson. They, yeah, so like there's there's definitely a couple older pieces, but they did say goodbye to a few older pieces. I I think they should rebuild because they're not they don't look great this year. Scrap it. And yeah, no, I, I think it's time. <laughs> I, I think they've they've been competitive. They have a solid fan base too. Like their fan they base do. is actually pretty rabid. Yeah. Up here, um, so I I think they can definitely undergo a transition for sure. Yeah, I actually you know in talking it out with you right now, I, I think you might be right. I mean, you, you you probably have to lose Carlson to do so, but I also yeah. don't think that's a player that like you need. I mean, he's, he's getting older, you know, he's going to be probably aged out of his prime by the time the rebuild is done anyway. So, I mean, I'm all, often said on the show, like you got to start and you may as well start sooner rather than later. Right, and then you look, there's youth all over the division. If you don't yeah. start now, you're going yep. to be behind. I mean, the Avalanche are really young. The Kings, like we've talked about multiple times, are kind of like the Rangers as far as where yeah. they're at. Um, they have brought up a ton of young people. They've gotten rid of a lot of the old guard. Um, I mean, pretty much a whole new defensive tandem other than Dowdy there. Yeah, uh, and I like mean, now so. is like probably one of the better times to be trying to scoop up players because with the cap either staying where it is or potentially going down – you know, it's going to be a lot of players, you know, being let go because teams just aren't going to be able to fit them on the roster. So it may potentially be a good time to rebuild anyway. Last week, we talked about the comments from the Bruins GM, how they couldn't really trade right. for anyone because teams weren't identifying as sellers. And yeah. That's a, like a situation like San Jose is a perfect example of why trades aren't happening yet. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I definitely think it's time. Yeah. I, I think it's time, yeah, and I think they could, they could withstand it, and if they don't do it soon, the rest of the teams in the West will bypass them. Yes, I second that motion. Couldn't agree more. All right, so, on, yeah, go ahead. transition um, from that to the NFL, like you said, a lot of the, the salary cap issues are going to make a lot of movement, and we've seen a ton of it already in the NFL. A shitload. I yeah. can't even keep track of it. Yeah, it seems like every lineman has been cut, it seems like. Yeah, for uh, sure. There's, there's like seven linemen signed to contracts. Right seven now. like <laughs> Pro Bowl linemen, like solid, good no, linemen. I was saying there's seven people still on teams. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it, it seems like you see these names of these linemen who keep getting cut, and you're like, oh, my God. Um, the so... Chiefs cut both their tackles. Eric Fisher, former number one overall pick. Mitchell Schwartz has been a pro bowler every season there, I believe. Yeah, yeah, both big news. Gone. Someone Twitter. brought up a point, though, about that. They're both not going to be ready for the season. And therefore, yeah. they need to address that position going into it. And if you can save cap room while letting them walk, if they're not going they to be ready for the season, mil. right, right, you have to protect Pat Mahomes somehow. And if they're not going to be ready by the season, you don't really want to, you know, start a backup if depending on where they are. So we'll see. Trey Turner also released, um, but yeah, I mean, there's just so many linemen available. It seems like right now. 
Except for the Bills. The Bills are re-signing everybody <laughs> on their staff. <laughs> the Bills have thrown us, except John Brown. They cut John Brown and re-signed everyone else. Yeah, but that's not really. John Brown was. I always, I always thought John Brown would be great at some point, and he just has never, never panned out. Yeah, but yeah, and they, we've talked about it before. They kind of read. He was their pinnacle of their offense, or supposed to be. A couple seasons ago, they went out. They get Diggs. Uh, they get Beasley. So they they they've addressed their wide receiver needs. They didn't really need him. Other than that, it seems like they're re-signing everybody. Yeah, they re-signed O linemen, D linemen, corners. They've been both their linebackers. Yep, they've been scooping people up. Yeah, um, uh, Bears re-signed Mario Edwards to a three-year extension. He had a career season in Chicago, so they're gonna try to bolster their D line. They also restructured a ton of deals um, to give them cap room. Chiefs are also expected to uh, restructure with Mahomes to give them more cap room as well. Could free right. up another $17 million on top of the 18 they freed up. Yeah. So they could be dealing with some good with some more money to go sign some linemen, like you said. Yeah, other than that, I think the Patriots signed a quarterback. Your issues on this, so what are your what are your thoughts and opinions? I'm hoping in a couple, couple <laughs> months we're talking about the one we drafted <laughs> and not the one we signed. Uh, Cam Newton resigns with the Patriots. Uh, one year deal that could be worth up to 14 million. I believe he's guaranteed six or nine. We're heavily in, in laden with uh, yeah with, incentives, uh, bonus, incentives, all that yeah. shit, but. I said I didn't want Cam Newton back. I still don't want him back. I don't want him starting. If they're just getting him to be a backup or to be involved with a trade with another team, I I don't know who would want Newton. But I I, do, I can't do another season of him starting. People are going to blame it on the weapons, the line. There well, so many in all fairness, the weapons are laughable. They're not good, but... You can't point to that. Like, look at the difference between Brady last year and Brady this year. But you can't say that's everything. It's a lot. But when you're not making throws to people that are open, when they do get open, or they're fucking throwing shit in the dirt, I did not enjoy the camera. I mean, I get it, but I the weapons are definitely, 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 definitely... I agree, and I want to sign Galladay. I want them to go spend big money on one of the targets in free agency because we need somebody. I wanted Allen Robinson, but he re- he got franchise tagged. But if yes. Robinson went to free agency, I would have been prepared to give that guy any amount of money. <laughs> yeah, we'll but see what we they do. We made a trade today. We traded Marcus Cannon to the Texans to move up 11 spots in the 4th, 5th, and 6th rounds. The Texans got the Patriots picks in those rounds, respectively. Uh, Texans have been busy. They traded Bernardrick McKinney to the Dolphins in exchange for Shaq Lawson, former first-round pick. He's That's his third team in three years, but he's still young. He had four sacks with the Dolphins last year, so hopefully he can be a piece for a rebuilding Texans team. They also re-signed Mark Ingram. Yeah, the running back that was formerly uh, Raven. And Heisman. And Heisman. That's, Big trust. Saints released <laughs> Janoris Jenkins. Um, Ron Rivera made comments on Dwayne Haskins. He says he must prioritize his work ethic to continue his NFL career. 
Eh, and I don't think that's a secret. I mean, no. yeah, right. I mean, we talked yeah, about Chris it. Carter with, said the same thing. Exactly. Yeah. We talked about it with the interview with Chris Carter. He said this is really a win-win for the Steelers. They're getting a guy who will be put into an organization that has the tools set up for him to succeed there, and it has to be on him to make those changes going forward. And they have basically zero risk in it. Yeah, yeah. There's really nothing. So yeah, I, I I don't think that's a secret at all. He did you also hear his quote last week about putting Alex Smith out there? Chatting. He's been talking it up. I I thought that was fascinating. I mean, Ron Rivera, well liked, widely respected around the league, and I think that might just be one reason why he actually cares about his players. He said he cringed every time he he put Alex out there. He said it was waiting on his mind um, every time, like if if that leg got hurt. Um, so yeah, a messy split there. I feel like for sure, tough. But well, I still Alex, think you guys should have gone after Alex Smith. I think he would have been perfect in your system. I I would have taken him over Newton probably, but I didn't want him. I would have definitely taken him over Newton. He is a winner. He wins everywhere he goes, despite being not talked about at all. Broken. Yeah, he is. He's pretty. He's pretty pieced apart. But I still would have <laughs> taken him. He seems like a better mentor than Cam Newton would be to the guy who you guys eventually draft. If we had the Alex Smith, if we were getting the Alex Smith that went to Washington, I would take him in a heartbeat. I mean, even last year, he he got them to the playoffs. He did, but he just like he can't fucking move. I get it, but I'm just saying he's he doesn't have a problem hitting his receivers. <laughs> Drew Brees finally announced his retirement. I was Rolled waiting till we would get to this. I was waiting Rolled for this. Over and died. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, everyone said he was going to do it. He. We already talked about him uh, redoing his cap number. Out, yeah. I mean, he did, he did drag it out. I mean, I don't know. I honestly think part of him was like, no, I want to come back. And then Sean yeah. Payton just looked at him and was like, no. Drew, please. No. Drew. <laughs> Drew. Please. He's texting his wife. Like, he tell him to fucking not. <laughs> Brittany. Brittany, please don't know. Don't ask me why I know his wife's name. I was going to say, but, what? Yes. Yeah, leave Brittany alone. <laughs> Brittany, uh, please tell your husband. To not play. <laughs> Sean Payton. They, ex- the they are expected to work on Jameis Winston being their next starting QB, which is kind of what we all thought would happen. Uh, Payton seemed to be determined to make uh, the Hill. Taysom Hill. There we go. I forgot his yeah. first name. Taysom Hill, uh, the, the quarterback there, that seemed to not work out very well. Jameis Winston expected to be working on an extension with the, the Saints. Famous Jameis. Let's see it. Jameis. I mean, uh, Sean Payne's a goddamn genius. Yeah. So he, he will, if anyone could get Jameis Winston working, it would be him. We shall see. We shall see. Well, any other uh, football news you want to talk about? Uh, the last thing I wanted to talk about, uh, hitting the college game, football game, Emmett Jones, formerly the wide receiver uh, coach for the Kansas football team who just fired Les Miles last week, got the job. He seemed to have heavy support from players on the promotion. He got the interim tag on his job title. We'll see how they do going forward. Um, but as we talked about, they have to change the culture, and a lot of players seem happy that he was a right step in that direction. Um, 
like I said, Kansas fired their AD and Les Miles last week. He got the interim tag, and he had a lot of player support on that. So we'll see how that works for Kansas going forward and see if he can really change you, the culture there to make, yeah. it, to make it more about being better men um, and then – you know, also moving forward when you have that locker room support, it makes changing that culture easier. Right. When everyone looks at you as a leader and everyone, there was a groundswell for him to get that job. You work on the culture first. Winning will come later as long as you're recruiting the right type of people who care about football. So I uh, just want to shout out to that because that he, he seemed to put in his work and um, he seemed to be very popular there. So that's about it, though. Sticking right. with the college real quick, a couple guys that were at the top of the draft had standout pro days, Trey Lance and Travis Etienne. Draft stocks rising on those two. And I swear to God, if I hear the Eagles in on any of these goddamn quarterbacks, <laughs> I'm going to lose my mind. There okay. Well, Save it for the next episode, Meech. We'll so talk many about articles are being written about how they're so much more talented than <laughs> Jalen Hurts. And every time I read them, I just cringe a little bit. I'm like, no. No. Just like Michael Scott when he has to deal with Toby. No. God, please, no. No. <laughs> Another sixth pick. The Eagles take Trey Lance. Uh, nice to yeah. state. Right? <laughs> All right. So how do we feel about this episode, boys? How we feel about the work we did today? We feel good about it? I always feel right. good about the work I do because I put out nothing but consistency, 100%, and a phenomenal finished product every time. That, that sentence got away from you. All right, well, <laughs> thanks for uh, listening to this episode of Stone Sports. We appreciate it. Follow us on all the socials. That's Instagram, Twitter, Twitch, and YouTube. It's all Stone Sports Podcast. Say goodbye, boys. Peace. Peace. Like this. Oh,